0: Surrounded by, surrounded by, surrounded by. I am surrounded by. I'm often surrounded by. The entire system is surrounded by. Freaking idiots! Surrounded by idiots! Idiots!
1: Idiots! Idiots! idiots. 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 Out of control, but in control.
2: There you go. So there you go. How yeah. have you been?
1: I'm good. I'm thriving. I'm tired. <laughs>
2: well, if you're tired, you're working, <laughs> yeah. and that's what matters. Yeah, it's good. That's good. That's no good. No complaints. So have we—I haven't seen you in what two? It's almost two years now.
1: Yeah. That's I crazy. mean i I think I saw you out somewhere. Yeah. But, but we haven't
2: like kicked. Kicked it. it yeah. yeah, in a grip. So what's been going on? What's what's new in your life that you're excited about before we get into the
1: um interview aspect? I mean, let's see. A lot actually a lot has changed. I mean, okay. since I've seen you, but mm. in general, like life kind of right now just moves like really quickly. Right. Um design obviously is like front and center for me for mm. everything and uh I've been with like a series of brands that um kind of pushed me, I feel like, to a new level of as a creative, which nice. is dope. Um, and then uh I have proof of concept, which is my project mm-hmm. and my kind of brainchild. Um, and that's basically just anything that I'm coming up with. I'm putting under that like umbrella. Right. And um i think cuz my history is in industrial design so i've really just been trying to work on making like a lens uh at the way I, like the way i see the world and then making products under that lens so mm. some people might start a footwear company some people might make chairs some people might make you know apparel i make everything but i just make it my way. So when you buy into the idea of proof of concept, it's because you buy into like my ethos in design more than just an object.
2: Your Apple. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. buying into the ecosystem. That's dope though. So you, you're yeah. really, it's your lifestyle your yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. And it's a whole bubble of
3: ideas. That's
2: no, that's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. What has been, I know you started primarily in, uh in foot, was it footwear mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. and so how hard has, has it been making the jump to other you know
1: yeah uh it's interesting because so i my degree is in industrial design Mm. which covers a myriad of like directions you can go with it you can go into transportation which is like yachts and whips and you know uh aircraft or you can go into package design you can go into footwear you can go work for whirlpool and design the microwave like Industrial design in and of itself is a really broad uh degree. Um, but they just teach you basically like a skill set. So school was the last time that I like tried different concepts, you know. So I did like an espresso machine, I did a shoe, I did a power sander, uh trying to think of all this stuff. So I went to Nike out of school, and that's what that's what pigeonholed me into footwear. So mm. I've been doing footwear professionally for almost 10 years now but uh I have a space in the back of my head <laughs> yeah. that's like what school was. Yeah. So I've just never practiced professionally, right? Like I've never designed a chair for Herman Miller or like there's people that like do industrial design like oh I work for Bose and I design headphones and I know CAD and I render all these things. Um so it's I say all that to say that footwear is a very niche, very deep uh uh professional like professional yeah. uh or profession, and um so the 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 jump has been humbling, I guess <laughs> nice. because you have an idea about like oh, I'm really good at this over here, but now I'm trying to apply that expertise and that like concept to yeah. a new thing um but I really like it, I feel like it's freed me up from you know, uh, there's like an innocence to it. Like I'm, I've been working on some stools and like, like, that's just kind of cool. And like, yeah. you can make it in a lot of different ways. So it's, it's been humbling, but like freeing. And I, I really like it.
2: That's so could you break down. So you said industrial, I know nothing about.
1: Yeah.
3: Most so, people don't.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're yeah. like, trust me. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> industrial design. So as opposed to, so someone graphic. who wants to only make, okay. So you got graphic design.
1: Architecture. And,
2: okay. So uh, if you're yeah. an industrial, that is everything from espresso machines to sneakers.
1: Correct. Products. Okay. Okay. So anything in our world that is like mass manufactured. So your keyboard, somebody at Yamaha sketched and designed that. And that's like the industrial designer is the person that's kind of the bridge between the person that's going to be using the object, i.e. the consumer or the athlete or, or the end use case mm-hmm. and the engineer. Okay. So you're that person that's supposed to kind of like have an intuitive sense about how, like, for example, I always use this um, object as an ice cream scooper. So somebody somewhere along the lines was like, a spoon is going to bend when I like go to get my Ben and Jerry's. And then at the same time, like, uh, not just from a, a function standpoint of like not bending, but also like I need to use my arm and my elbow to scoop the ice cream. So actually holding something, like, bigger in my hand is going to feel more, like, ergonomic. Right. And okay. so that's, like, how it fits in your hand, but also how it functions in order to do its job. So the ice cream sweeper is, like, the quintessential example of, like, just, like, industrial design. So you're thinking about the end user, the the human factor in, in uh, the object, mm-hmm. which is it has to go in my hand. Then you're also thinking about the function, which is I have to scoop ice cream. Um, and then you're probably working with an engineer to actually build, you know, all of the – if it had tech, there would be tech in it if if it needed to function, you know, like, oh, it has to turn on or something. Right. Then you're working with an engineer and that's their
2: niche. I see what you're saying. So
1: there's a there's a little middle section between like mm-hmm. – fashion that's just very surface Mm -hmm. and engineering which is very very deep and complex and then there's that person in the middle that's this industrial designer that's like i i make chairs i make microwaves i make the trash i make uh the soap dispenser i make the sneaker any object and then it also has to do with like mass manufacturing but i kind of abandon that part of it
2: it's so weird because when you don't think in these terms like since i don't do this it's just yeah. like functionality is something that you don't realize isn't a lot of the things that like you know you buy cool clothes you go like, oh, this is, but there's a lot of functional reasons sometimes why these clothes look the way that they do
3: totally yeah, yeah
2: that's wild so yeah. so when you when you were younger were you into design or or did you have a whole other passion and then that's and then you got led to design somehow
1: uh, kind of both. Okay. Um. So it, it's so funny and I'm sure every person feels like this. Like you look at the youngest version of yourself that mm-hmm. you can remember doing like, I don't know, somewhat intelligent activities. And, and, and for me it was like Lincoln logs and Tinker toys. Like I was the Lego kid. Right. Um. And I had a fascination with like building stuff. And I, I remember as early as like I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, like my mom had these pie tins the like metal pie tins that we all know. And I would like take those out into the backyard and like build these little like, uh, as if I was like a landscape architecture or architect. So like (laughs) I would build these like little like fake fountains and like, I would, you know, plant fake trees and I was like, I was designing, but I didn't know that that's what I was doing. And then, um, between second grade and eighth grade, I was homeschooled and my mom, recognized this trait and so she if i read a book i was allowed to make a model to talk about what i made or what i saw so like if i read a book about like history or something she would be like if you want to make like a little like shoebox model of like this is what happened and like the cowboys and the indians and they fought and then you know like i could do that and and so Uh, If we learned about the civil war, World War II, like I could make, I could make, she let me make. I feel you. So then I got to high school and obviously, um, and we went to public school at that point. And so the closest thing I could find to that was ceramics. And so I went in just making pots and, um, I did really well there. And, uh, in my junior year of high school, um, or maybe it was my senior year, yeah, my senior year of high school, uh, my pole vault coach, he worked at Nike because I grew up in Oregon. Uh, Shut up. <laughs> like like a Oswego, Oregon. And um,
2: How far is that from Portland and Nike and all that kind of stuff? It,
1: it's right outside Portland. It's already like 15 minutes outside of Portland, 20 minutes maybe. Okay. Um, and it's probably like 30-ish minutes from Beaverton, which is where Nike headquarters is. Okay. Um, so my pole vault coach... Um, Him and his brother are like Nike legends, and I didn't. I'm like a regular, basic white girl from Oregon, <laughs> so I didn't grow up in like sneaker culture. Right. You know, I don't. I'm. I'm not subscribing to this. I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, That's just my pole vault coach. So he picked up because I thought I wanted to be an architect, but I sucked at math. Um, I, I just not that. I was not that type A. Like I yeah. can plug through the public school system, do great on my SATs. I wasn't that kid. Mm-hmm. So, um, he picked up on the fact that I liked making teapots specifically. Okay. And that was the reason he he realized that the reason I was geeked on it was because I liked that I made something beautiful, but it also, it also functioned. And so he was like, okay, um, why don't you come to work with me? So... His name is Toby uh, Toby Hatfield, and he's like oh. a, a Nike legend. His brother is it's Tinker. Tinker, hat. yeah. Oh shit. And so Tinker and Toby, to, uh, at the time they're retired now, but at the time coached high school pole vaulting because they were both pole vaulters.
0: Okay. And
1: I was a gymnast, and so when I quit gym, I I transitioned into pole vaulting, just like high school track team. I was terrible at it. <laughs> I'm totally comfortable with that. And so Tinker and Toby were the ones that showed me design. And I was seven, I was 17. And so Toby took me to work with him that day. And, um, he was like, you know, this is design. And because of who they were, I went to the most proprietary space on the Nike campus, which was called the kitchen at the time. And in, in the Mia Hamm building. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like there's samples everywhere there's materials there's laces there's sewing machines there's 3d printers there's laser cut there's the full like lasting and like you know gluing machines for actually making footwear and this is like tinker's team and eric avar sits there did all the kobe's aaron cooper worked with Braun. serena williams all these people mark mark smith who was uh and um Wilson Smith, who were both Tinkers, like right hands through that whole Jordan mm-hmm. era, they all sat on this team. And so <laughs> the I team don't, of
2: goats. That's the, uh, the, the Olympic the, team of design right there. Literally. Holy
1: shit. And so I I was mesmerized by the space because I was like, wait a minute, like there's an alternative to architecture that I didn't even realize was a thing. And then Toby's like, he was at the time doing like there's a SFB boot um for the army. That like is a pretty classic silhouette that most people know. And at the time, Toby was designing it, working on it. And he like let me pick out the aglets, which are like the little things on the end of the laces. And I was just like, even those that small of a detail, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So he had uh, a meeting that day with an Olympic fencer. So any meeting he went to, I went to with him and I just followed him around. He gave me a key card access. Now I look back. I'm like, bro, you had (laughs)
2: like You were what? (laughs) This is like the internship of a fucking lifetime. (laughs) Like,
1: what? This is wild. So OD. So, um, So I walk off the Nike campus at 17 years old with a physical, tangible... Like place, job, job description idea of where I want to go, what I want to do. And it wasn't like this ethereal dream that was like, oh, wouldn't that be cool if, you know. So uh, they were the ones that showed me design and they sat me down on the couch that day before I left. And they're like, look, if, if this is what you want to do, this is the degree that you need and it's industrial design. And so then I just went on the hunt to find schools that had that degree and the rest is history.
2: Wow. Yeah. Now that's divine intervention. I know. Like the odds, it really of, is. The odds of that shit is.
3: I know. Wow. Insane.
2: And it's dope because you took the ball and you ran with it.
1: I did. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I did.
2: Um, So, man, that's an insane story. So you went there, you, you went to school, you graduated, and then yeah. you went back to
0: Nike?
1: I did, yeah. Okay. So the funny thing about that was that day, uh, Aaron Cooper, someone that I mentioned earlier, yeah. he's uh, just. One of the Nike OGs, 25 years with the company, 10 years with, with Nike Basketball, um, was the current design director when they signed LeBron. Okay. And so him and, and Ken Link really like were the first guys to really work with Braun and like start that legacy. And Aaron came to my Nike store and I went to Arizona State. He came to my Scottsdale store and we remembered each other. Um, And I was working retail while I was in design school. And I was like, hey, I came with Nike or I came with Toby. And he was like, yeah, I remember you. And I was like, can I get your email? Like I'm in school now. And so he ended up mentoring me for the following two and a half years while I was still in college. (laughs) And so that's really what like I would say even gave me a chance of even getting a job there because – Nike's like going to Harvard, going to MIT. Like the the acceptance rate, especially within the design organization, is extremely competitive. Yeah, I can imagine. And so just, to, just as you might want to work at like Apple at a high level, you probably need to come from MIT or one of these yes. Ivy, Ivy League schools, right? So there's Ivy League design schools, just like there's a Juilliard or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I didn't – I went to Arizona State. I went to a regular regular state school that doesn't have this like – um you know, phenomenal reputation um, in, in terms of design. It's a good school. It's a better school than people realize, actually. Right. But um, so I wouldn't have even had a chance to compete to like you know get an internship or get a job if Aaron had not been this like battery on my back. I feel you. So during school, I would I would submit them you know for my grades and whatnot, but they also got sent to Aaron every project. And mm-hmm. Aaron would send them back with like emails, like two pages long of everything I did wrong, or I should have considered, or I should have thought through, right. and then was like, you know, you suck at sketching. You need to be sketching, like all just a level of um, oh yeah, things
2: that you wouldn't have gotten until much later in the game, and it would have been a little too late.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yep.
2: No, that's incredible. so.
1: I credit. I credit everything I have in my career to Aaron Cooper and his investment in, in mentoring me and pushing me and not mincing his words. And like, you know, I would, I would get these emails and I would cry from a place of just appreciation that someone was willing to take the time to literally go through my, you know, kind of pathetic school projects and like break them down. And I, I could literally look back like, you know, six months, I was a different, 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 different. Mm -hmm. So I, I, Also, uh, feel grateful for that time because I, I, I chased that growth that I felt during that era of my life. And I'm like, I know I'm capable of chameleon, 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 like butterfly to, or caterpillar to butterfly over and over and over again. And if he hadn't given me that experience, I don't know where my mental would be.
2: Well, yeah. And and a lot of people get, when you don't have mentors like that, who also can be, you know, they don't mince words and they're to the point. Yeah, you don't know how to deal with that when you get in the workplace and then the boss does this or you're working at a level where it's unacceptable like no this shit has to be done this way yes so it's yeah it's it's an apprenticeship that you can't yeah you can't replicate
3: yeah what kind of
2: school projects did you have to do I was wondering like what kind of shit do they have you guys doing in there
1: um I mean the first year they teach you basically like just how to draw in perspective so like we see the world in 3d right um and so first you learn how to draw like proportionally in 2d like if i was to just draw the iphone if i just looked at it straight on what would i see that's good for dimensions and like making blueprints and like technical work and then they teach you like what if you turn the iphone to the side and now you're seeing both and you're seeing the x and the z and the y axis okay how do you accurately draw that object um so that's kind of the first step in in school and then at my school you would compete and they would only take like the top 25 to 30 kids into the program that would actually graduate with the degree
0: okay
1: and then after you get into that um then there's a whole just i would say the second year is just about skill set so teaching you how to render teaching you how to 3d model teaching you programs uh, adobe photoshop illustrator InDesign. Um, basically just giving you your tool belt and then, um, third and fourth year for us was like, uh, we had to do a housewares project. So I picked, I wanted to design an espresso machine. Um, and then the back half of that was, um, a power tool. And then I, and I picked a palm sander. Okay. And then, uh, senior year I had a partnership with Disney. So Disney had a partnership with my school. So Disney actually funded, um, like a project and you would work on like, you know, whatever brief they had. And yeah. So That's it was, it. it was cool. What was that?
2: What did you make for that?
1: We ended up coming up with a game. Um, my my first idea that I actually wanted to do and now exists in the world. And I look back and I'm like, see y'all. I was okay, but
2: I had vision. I
1: I did. <laughs> and I was like, I was ahead of my time. Um, I had wanted to do. We we had to pick a movie. We picked Wall-E. Okay. And I wanted to make Eva into basically like a thing that kids could take around the world, and Eva would take pictures of like plants or animals or in- insects, different things, and then that would send the picture to the app and right. they could see on their iPad or whatever, like, Oh, this is what I saw outside today and get some kind of education. This is this
2: kind of plant. This yeah. is the, And yes. And now that is a, yeah. very much a thing.
1: And so, yeah, but that was, that was the original idea that I had my team shot it down. We ended up making some, <laughs> uh <laughs> some like game that basically you put targets around the room and in different algorithms they would light up and the kid would have to like run around and like tag them
0: oh, okay and i kind of
1: got... like
2: the uh how basketball players have the whole like yep exactly the... yeah same idea, yeah, same, idea. <laughs> okay. same idea
1: but around your house
2: okay so yeah, yeah. i would much. i would have voted for the plant eva was yeah. way better eva was yeah but, and you could
1: have eva yes you
2: I I see the vision. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) So after you went back to Nike, how long were you there?
1: Uh, I was at headquarters for four years. Okay. Um, So I interned in college between junior and senior year, and then I went back um, and I was there for four years. And um, that was a really interesting experience because I feel like I owe a lot of how I think to like Nike process and what Nike teaches you, how they develop product um, everything they do, um, is rooted in some kind of insight, uh, around the athlete. Mm-hmm. So I loved that, uh, that really drew upon like industrial design thinking, like going back to the ice cream scooper, like who, right. who is using this and how are they using it? Same thing. Like, um, any, anything in sports is like, what, what does the player need? What was what the player size? What are the player movements? Um, or if you're running, like, are you trying to run fast? Are you trying to run long? Are you trying to run, you know, strong? What are all these like kind of uh, needs for the athlete? And then really rooting the way that you design the shoe to accommodate those specific insights. Um, so and I love it
2: is such a large part of it. It's huge. Yeah. That's yeah. what you mean.
1: Yeah. And, and and innovation, how you how you solve for those functions or those needs. Yeah. So cool. yeah, it was really cool.
2: So, and then you moved to Africa.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: that, so that was interesting because I worked my butt off obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And now that I've shared this much, like I worked my butt off. Nike was the dream job. That mm-hmm. was the, it was the only intention. It was the only thing I targeted, I wanted, and I was very intentional with my, with my direction towards that. So when I actually got into the company like I've pretty much been spoon fed by like legends, right. Uh-huh. For like four or five years at that point. Right. Um, or at least four years. And so once you get into the corporate structure, you realize you're like, oh, I'm just a, a number, you know, in the, mm-hmm. a cog in the wheel.
2: the was like <laughs>
1: And yeah. And even though I enjoyed what I was learning and what I was doing, I had a hard time with just the corporate aspect of it and then um you know i think at the time I, I think they've improved or they're working on it but there was a lot of challenges with sexism and racism that i either witnessed or personally experienced mm, gotcha. and so that was that was difficult um to just like work your ass off basically just to be kind of like not taken seriously or dismissed and i felt that everywhere that i could have gone in the company i don't i didn't see that changing so at 26 i was like are these the battles I want to fight?
2: I completely understand are yeah.
1: these the hill uh, if I want this, this is the hill that i'm gonna I'm gonna have to charge this hill just to get here
0: mm-hmm.
1: is that really is that really the hill that you want just to get to this peak like you can move around so the answer was like a resounding no mm. and so I ended up quitting and um and going to africa and and the whole Africa thing started because with Nike, you travel. And so you start to see the world. And it's this idea of what I now know as white privilege started to become really real to me. And I was like, mm. wow, I, I've grown up in such a way that I didn't even comprehend, even though you, even though you're aware, like the rest of the world operates differently. I didn't understand like to the degree and I start until I started going to Asia. Mm, yeah. And, um, specifically in Vietnam there was like a woman outside of my hotel that, Um, she looked like she had been like through some sort of fire or like a blast of some side because literally half of her body was like maimed and like she had one eye and all the things. I'd never seen anything like this in my life. Like we have homelessness in America and we have plenty of issues in America, but I had never seen something physically like this before. Along with like everything else I was seeing in Asia that was like grown men selling bananas and like. You know, most of them ride scooters everywhere. Like culturally, you're just, right. you're absorbing a lot. You're not even making judgments about it. You're just like, this is very different. Mm-hmm. So I see this woman and we're walking back from dinner and I see her the first night. And it's like, it's hard not to look at her, but you're, you're like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you're also like a white person in a foreign country. You you stick out, like, you know, you're just different. Yeah. So... The second night um same thing we go to dinner and we come back my team goes in the hotel we go up the elevator i get off the elevator like i'm going to my room and i get back on the elevator and go back down and i just like kneel down and i look at her in her face and she just like starts crying and i'm and i start crying obviously i can't speak her language right. but it's like you're a human you right. know and that really like um that just hit me. Like I, I, I thought about when I came home. I thought about her for probably a month, like nightly. And I was like, "God, why did I? Why was I given this life? Mm-hmm. And this woman? This is her reality. Yeah. This will never change. She will wake up tomorrow and be there. And I don't know how she got there. I don't know if somebody kidnapped her and did that to her on purpose right. and then put her on the street to beg. I don't know if it was an accident on a factory line. somewhere. like you don't know people's stories." But the, fun, the the point is she was a human being. Yeah. And how did I get this lot in life? And she got this one. That seemed so unfair to me. Mm. And to the point that I was like emotional uh, emotional about it for like a month uh, when I got home from, mm. from the trip. And so I couldn't put that out of my mind. And it's like, man, I wake up every day and my objective and my reality is to chase my dreams. And for the first time that felt very fru uh, futile.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: almost felt empty because I was like, how is this, how do I get, how do I get to do that? And, right. and they have, they don't wake up and think about that. Um, and that's, and again, knowing more now, cause I, I look back and I'm like, it's kind of like naive thinking cause there's a lot of people in the world with much less that are very happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I, I honor that. I'm happy for that. I wish America had more of that. Um, so it's not a judgment or a critique, but her specifically obviously had been through some trauma. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that stuck in the back of my head and that's where Africa ended up coming up was I had had a conversation with a family friend and I was like, Hey, I'm just really struggling with like, um, what am I really doing with my life? Like I wake up every day. I basically deal with, with sexism. I also really love what I do. Mm-hmm. I can't reconcile this like kind of delta between um uh, the the goals of my dreams and how I actually feel about them. Right. <laughs> and then um am I just going to grind in a 9 to 5 for the rest of my life and get PTO and like other people are going to determine my salary and like that whole system just didn't work
2: for me. Listen, I, you're preaching to the choir. I get it. Yeah. I get it.
1: And that, that didn't dawn on me that that wouldn't sit well with me until I was in it. And you don't know that when you're 20 years old in college, you know? So, um,
2: firsthand experience.
1: Exactly. So I quit, um, and we had some family friends that were in ministry. And so I was like, I just, I want to get out of the hype. Like right. literally the hype and, um, you know, elephant print and y'all, y'all like, give me, I need to, I need out.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Man.
1: All like all the way out.
2: <laughs> and that's where you go to get a Dave Chappelle new. That's <laughs> all the way, out. All <laughs> that's the way like, out. and I'm going, I'm going to go learn some shit about myself. Go really appreciate some shit I got going on around here. No, yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel it. Yeah. So
1: I, mean. I so our family friends had a series of of relationships and networks, and um, one of them was in Ethiopia. Okay. And so um, actually the ex-prime minister's wife has a program similar to like what would be a boys and girls club here. Oh, okay. And so they were like, you know, if this is something you want to pursue from a career perspective or like this, you want to have like a shift, you know, we can send you here and you can learn about what would go into that mm-hmm. and how you could actually be of value in that space. And so I was like, okay, so I went and literally the day that I landed, their prime minister, Ethiopia, Ethiopia is a very um peaceful country. They've never been invaded by anyone. They're oh, very, my. yeah, which is which is amazing. Um, very uh like proud, nationalist, beautiful, peaceful people.
0: Right.
1: Internally they have their own challenges. Yeah. And as we
0: all do. As <laughs> we all do.
1: And so Uh, The day that I landed, their prime minister actually got pulled like out of power. Like he resigned and there was like – there was a lot of chaos around that happening. And so uh, I was supposed to go for six months. I ended up only being able to stay for a month because of how like OD it was. The village I was supposed to go to, which was like three hours outside of Addis Ababa, which is the capital – uh, I, we couldn't even drive because people were like hijacking cars and burning them. So just as an American, it was like, this is just, this is just too much. That
2: was quick too. Yeah. Like you just landed. You're like, huh.
1: yeah, No. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I posted up an Addis for, for a month and then, um, and then I ended up coming back. And okay. so it, it same, it's this, it gave me again, the same feeling as like, I need to, um, America is not perfect. It's not so much about America. It's about the fact that we do have a chance or an opportunity mm-hmm. here. You know, if I need to go get a job at Subway, I can. If I need to go get a job, you know, um, driving a bus, I can. Like there's opportunity. Yeah. People don't realize that those those jobs or that infrastructure is, is uh, those are not like low hanging fruit things. Not,
2: especially not in other places. Exactly. At, at all, like they, I mean, that's you know, obviously, that's why we have a lot, a lot of people who come over here from Mexico and whatnot because yep. they know they are willing to at, to work, you yeah. know, and it's a lot of we don't realize that we have a a even at our lowest levels, yes. there generally is a baseline level yes. of living yep. that people aren't really going because I mean, it's even you go to like I've gone to like Jamaica and like even I was went to DR recently and you go yeah. over there and you're like oh damn like dirt floors is normal like that's not yeah like we have projects it's dangerous yes but you got floors you know what i mean like there is some form of you know it's it's a very it's a very different existence and it's funny too because we even have like you said too like you know our even our government it can be intrusive but it's not so intrusive that we can't just start up our own businesses and try to right. create our own things and go oh I don't really want to work in that infrastructure I'm going to yep. go over here yep. you know um yeah. and that's definitely you know not Yeah the that's
1: just not everywhere at all yeah. yeah so that's kind of like I don't put America on any pedestal but I do recognize that like privilege in yeah. being an American um and so that is what I I just feel like that's what I took away from travel was um i have to if if i'm if i am x amount of privileged you know have x amount of opportunities i better lean into those i better take advantage of those and not for self but because what could i do with you know if you send a hundred dollars over here or you know i connect my homegirl with this with this now Mm -hmm. she's doing this like just you gotta like pay it forward and that's a
2: lot of times people don't realize that too either it's like The worst part is even when, you know, there's certain situations, you may not go in a room and everyone looks like you. But the best Mm -hmm. part about it is if a few people get in there, no matter what they look like, if they're creating platforms for people that look like you, that's a very different, you know, it's just like if a woman gets into a position and she's looking out for other women, well, regardless of what her race or her anything is, she's creating these opportunities for other people who wouldn't get the even glance or look otherwise, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that's what I lost at Nike was this purpose driven existence. Right. And so, and I grew up, I grew up in the church. I grew up around faith. I grew up around the idea of just life having meaning. Mm-hmm. Like we don't just go through the motions. Um, and so that, I think that's also why, like in general, like a corporate structure just didn't really work for my mentality Mental, or yeah. my heart. Um, and so they
2: have getting a very different end goal.
1: Very different.
2: <laughs> Very different end goal.
1: And structure and just yeah. everything. And how we get there, we right. don't really give we a don't fuck. Give, yeah.
2: You know, we just, is that bottom line cracking. So, yeah. 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 I could see how that could turn.
1: So it really did turn me off. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even, like I said, I didn't even realize I was going to experience that. And that's also, that also was confusing. Like I was miserable at Nike at the at the end of my time there for like a year and a half because I was confused. Right. I was like I cannot reconcile that like this is everything I ever wanted and I'm here and I cannot – I hate my day-to-day. Not what I'm doing from a design standpoint. Mm-hmm. I love meeting with athletes and sketching and making shoes but like the um, –
2: The hypocrisy within it. All of it. Yeah,
1: I was like, this doesn't resonate, you know. And there's great people within those, you know, systems or hierarchies, but like the premise to yeah. me is off.
2: Well, what it, it, you also have to remember, a lot of, and this not just like any major corporation.
3: Yeah, and for That's them what to I mean. get to,
2: the, yeah, for them to get to that level. Yeah, you know, it's it's built on
3: the backs. shit, yeah. America. Yeah,
2: it's built on something. Now yeah. there's some great people within the structure of, of America being but we know where this shit built on. And that's like, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you find, because I even had this question ahead of time you brought up, but did you find when you went to other places and, you know, you don't need to say names or anything, but that that is like an intrinsic uh, culture within these corporations where it is. I mean, we know that there are, you know, there's always sexism, racism, every every company, like if it's big enough shit, come on, Uh, you know, but have you noticed that being kind of like a underlying constant thing as a designer in these places?
1: Yeah. As I mean. As a female mean,
2: designer in these places?
1: Yes. 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 Yeah. I mean, in general, so like, let's take like makeup or fashion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Like makeup is predominantly women and gay men. Yes. You're not really going to see a lot of straight men just by the nature of what that is. Yeah. Um, fashion, same thing. It's like a ton of, uh, a ton of women and then a ton of gay men and then like a handful of straight men. So those industries are, are culturally dominated by just like feminine energy. Right. Um, industrial design is just a male dominated field as is engineering, as is architecture. Architecture.
2: Okay. I see what you're saying.
1: So by default, just because I, I'm in that field, I'm just in a pool of, of, uh, I'm just outnumbered. Right. Um, and predominantly, every room or every table I sit at, I'm either the the only, mm-hmm. or like one of two, depending on how yeah. big the room is. Um, and I actually really enjoy that because I I really really enjoy working with men. Um, and actually, if I had my perfect world, all of my teammates would be men, right. and my leader would be a female.
2: Right, I feel you.
1: Um, because I think I think women. Um, I believe in God. I believe God designed us to be like very intuitive Mm -hmm. and empathetic. That's like what it means to me. That's what it means to be a woman. Right. Like we are designed to take something and like nurture nurture it, hold it, take care of it. So that quality to me in leadership is really powerful because you're able to basically like incubate your team to like deploy and execute at their highest level and i think women are fundamentally wired that way um and i think that quality specifically empathy is is really important and powerful i don't say i don't think by any means that men don't have empathy or <laughs> but can but we got a
2: hell of a lot less
1: <laughs> but but it's just not the same you it's know, not. Yeah, intrinsic know you, yeah. you know little motor um so but from a but from a team standpoint like uh, guys are so you know greatly matter of fact mm-hmm. and that makes team dynamics very simple right and that's a beautiful thing because yeah, things sure. are much more cut and dry and much easier to execute stuff right because there's less cattiness there's less um you know and worried I'm gotten, about
2: hurting people's feelings all like, of that. All that yeah guys yeah, are kind of like yeah bro that we're to the point. fucking work yeah do yeah. something
0: else <laughs> it's and like, i really yeah.
1: appreciate that mm. energy um So, yeah. So, but I think just within the hierarchy of, of industrial design, you just don't see a lot of women in that space. So then we can tend to be maybe written off a little bit. Um, or we can, you know, if it's a, at Nike, it's very much like a locker room culture. Right. And so there's a lot of kind of like boys club energy at times. Um, and I think that's just like an industry. I I wouldn't pinpoint that on Nike. I think that's like an industry. That's like a, a design everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's it's everywhere. Um. So yeah, but I don't. But that said, I don't believe in women like uh succumbing to that or like don't let that be a reason to not like go balls to the walls. You right. know. Um. And so that's kind of just when when it does come to the male female dynamic my only thing is just to tell women to just keep going. Like just, yes, this is going to be there as is racism going to be there. Is everybody just going to sit down and cry about it or or are you going to keep going? And like either we turn the tide and we keep putting cool stuff out. We keep putting stuff on the table that like you make a cool TV show, you make a cool song. I don't care if you're black, white, you know, uh, exactly, gay, straight. It doesn't matter. It's, it's cool, dope.
2: and it's and it's reaching culture. Yes. So therefore, yeah. it levels
1: the playing field, mm-hmm. and so that's what I just tell women to focus on: is just focus on leveling the playing field. And yes, our battles are going to be different, but there's every every single people group has their own battles. Yes. And and um, they may come in varying severities. For sure. We need to acknowledge that they're not equal mm-hmm. levels of severity. Um, but I don't. I don't but think... no one
2: can pack it up and go home. No. I know what you mean. It's like no, you no, and if stay in the fight a... Exactly. if they're gonna put a wall up, you fucking navigate around it. Yep. you find another way. You, you...
1: go through it, you mm-hmm. you knock it down, you find someone, you sign something, you leave, you quit a job, yeah. whatever 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 you need to do, but i I don't stand for the the like victim, woe was me. I can't figure it out. no everybody has their problems figure it out
2: fucking amen no yeah. and I, I agree because that's even in you know my side of entertainment and everything i always tell people i'm like you can't just sit around and wait for anyone to hand you anything totally like it, you can I, that shit probably not gonna work out well <laughs> you know what i good mean luck. feel free good good luck i'm gonna be trying to figure out some other shit or i'm gonna find a way to get around whatever or even as you said when you see biases in any industry mm-hmm. it makes sense and it behooves you to go forge your own path so yeah. then maybe there's a place other motherfuckers like you when you yep. were younger can work that isn't that
3: yep you yep. know
2: like why does it have to be only this handful of places why does it have to be you know yep. like yep. um and if if we can build a culture on negative things we can build a culture on positive things i you agree know?
1: yeah yeah so. and that that alone i think is like really exciting like i i feel like because of what social media has done to society i know it has a lot of negative uh implications but like i can come up with something and put it out into the world tomorrow Mm -hmm. and if x amount of people buy into it or resonate with it or understand it it can it can like grow into the next thing and like that that in college i kind of had this thing of like I wonder how far I can push this thing. Like that was the mentality always. And I carry that with me. It's just like, well, how far can I push this? And then, and, and that idea of just consistently chipping away in a direction. Yeah. Because I think where people mess up is they try and go in too many directions. Mm. So now you never actually, now you're, uh, my favorite analogy, and it's accurate to myself as well in other areas, is Bambi on ice. <laughs> yeah, so fuck, all you, over the place. All over the place, and then eventually she just goes <laughs> like this. Yeah, and she has a hoof in every direction. She's not actually made it anywhere, and it's sort of adorable. But like that can also be us if you don't. And I, I think people don't have success because they don't pick a lane and stay in it. And like Mm -hmm. drive somewhere, you know, and I think like LeBron is the perfect example of how I think everybody should model their life, which is LeBron went very deep in one skill, which was basketball. Mm -hmm. And and then after he reached a certain pinnacle, um, he was able to move laterally. Yeah. So go deep in something first, and then it's like, okay, open a school. Okay, start a tequila brand. Okay, start a media company. Right. Okay, hop in a movie. You know, uh,
2: start a, a you know because now greatness is synonymous with everything that you do. That
1: you do, mm-hmm. and and so, but if you're over, if you come out the gate trying to do tequila media company space jam 2 yeah, i promise yeah. school Like you're you're not known for anything or accredited or like you know you don't have the bread you don't have the resources you don't have
2: anything and if you start playing poorly motherfuckers gonna be like see it's because he's trying to do all that shit
1: yeah opening
2: facts. schools and shit Man, get, right. get on the floor yeah you can't you gotta it, yeah you gotta get to where you're going first yeah.
1: exactly mm-hmm. and then and then you can play the field yeah. and i think that that's that's to me, why I've stuck in footwear, because footwear was my thing that was going to take me to a certain precipice. And then I could move laterally across a bunch of other stuff. And I could kind of figure out how to do that when I got there. I don't, you don't even realize... Uh, you know, like Mario Kart, it's like you're jumping along, and you 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 know there's like this ethereal end where you win, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like you don't know which cloud is gonna pop up, and then which thing down here. Mm-hmm. Now you gotta hop on the mushroom, like yeah, you don't know, and it and it slowly comes in. And I feel like people, because they can't see, they don't try or they don't stay.
2: They don't stay consistent.
1: It, consistent no. in that lane, and it's like.
2: And they you, hop in the other lane. Then the other. I always look at life like traffic. The other lane yes. starts moving, Then you're like, "Oh shit, I got to hop back in that one because that's just yep. hot." And then yep. you get over there. That one stops. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then you get stuck behind some asshole who's like reading the yep. maps. He doesn't know where he's going, but you know where you're trying to go. So right. you're try- It's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You gotta just stay consistent. That's really mm. it. And and then eventually you look back and you're like, oh, shit, like all of this, you know, has come to pass. But I could have never told you at whatever age or whatever point that this is how, how I we would went. have gotten here.
0: Yeah. No. So
1: um, I think that the other problem with social is social makes it look manicured and like. Mm-hmm. well thought out and it's like this is really ugly a lot of the time and
2: it makes it look easy and that because yeah. uh, once again we want to we don't show our worst work because mm-hmm. we're also still trying to get somewhere you know what I mean it's cool to show like your shitty you know your early shitty designs or your, my early shitty music once you know motherfucker got a Grammy like right. you know what I mean then it's like oh man look I came from here but right. in the right. meantime we want to create a certain level of professionalism right. and a certain we all have a certain facade we want yeah. to keep up and yeah. want to uh, put to the masses. But it's, it's crazy how that doesn't always like, first off, people who aren't as polished usually don't care and they put out everything fast because yeah. yeah. they think their first thing, because they haven't done anything long enough, they think their first shit is gold.
3: Yeah, true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where
2: it's like, you know it's like, okay, if I come up with something, this is cool. I, it's going to need a lot of revision, but it's cool. But like, no, people just think that you know, you're like, oh no, she yeah. was dope. She could draw a little bit. She came with some designs, and the next thing you know, she over here at Nike work. And then she worked yeah. with Jerry Lorenzo. That yeah. shit, man, I can do that shit. Yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, a yeah. whole lot. You can, but yeah. you also got to put in all these years she been putting in with the yeah. same discipline she yeah. been putting them in with, and that's not, as yeah. you know, I've, nobody sees that. I've seen how you work. It's, it's yeah. not normal.
1: Yeah, you no, know, it's not.
2: and you make that's marks why you gotta and strides.
1: Passionate. That's that's mm-hmm. the that's the other thing is like. Fine because I, I've talked to a lot of people about this and, and people are like, how do I da-da-da-da-da? And it's like, okay, what are you what are you naturally inclined towards? When you wake up, what if 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 you could do anything, what would you do? Whatever that is, that's the direction you need to be going. And, Mm -hmm. like, for me, it was making. Tinker Toys, little – the Hindenburg out of Toothpicks and Balsa Wood, (laughs) four-foot-long scale model when I was 11 years old. You know – Legos. Legos. (laughs) Teapots. Uh Ceramics.
2: Shit's shit's serious.
1: Things are changing.
2: Things are changing. Sorry, had a little uh, technical difficulties. It's getting hot in L.A. We're back. (laughs) We're back. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to ask you about the – you working for – fear of God. That's fucking sick. So, like, how did this happen? What's the story there? I mean, you are, I know you already had your background in footwear and everything, but that's crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like I'm a different designer before and after, you know, studying under Jerry. He's, he is really, 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 really talented uh, just at basically taking in the world and funneling it through the way that he looks at the world and then effectively spitting out product, you know, fashion, emotion, shape, color, taste through that lens. And I people don't realize how difficult like I I had a convo like two weeks ago about this, which is I'm sure and I'm sure this is true in any field, music, engineering, people who are really great at coding like anything. You have your, like, aspiration of, like, this is what I think is amazing, dope, when it comes to taste. Right. Being able to recognize and appreciate something for what it is is one thing. To be able to execute what you perceive is amazing is a completely different skill set. Yeah. So you can listen to a song and be like, that's amazing. Can you hear all those notes? Like, how they brought the beat in like that. Like, all this stuff. And But to be able to go in the lab.
2: And then be like, I'm making that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole different, yeah. That's wild.
1: Yeah. And that's the only way I can explain it, is the delta between his ability to have a phenomenal taste and execute that taste is is elite, savant. I don't know what the words are. So that's really what I took from um you know just supporting him i was his first like in-house footwear designer okay nice he had never had someone like directly under him helping him with footwear before he has you know partners and 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 people that he's worked with for a long time that that understand him and help him develop um but in terms of in-house iteration and and exploring his own brain
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um i was the first person to help him with that and i really enjoyed it um cool And, and then I just learned so much from doing, I would just say very like elementary tasks for him. So a lot of my job was, um, you know, he would find references, or he would do a sketch himself. And then I would take that sketch and put it in the computer and bring it back to him. And he would move the lines around, you know, on the page and, and Kind of make it feel more like fear of God, make it feel more basketball, make it feel more running, whatever he was going after based Mm. on like the references he had pulled. And so, uh, yeah, just basically helping him move his lines around on the page is where I feel like my eye grew. And I didn't even know that that's what was happening until you get out of it. And you're like, wow, I, I look at the world completely differently before and after him. Damn. And so that's a, it's like a, it's a training you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the way that he sees shape and proportions and color was not something that I really like. I, I'm, I come from such a technical space. Like Nike's very technical. This is high, high, high performance footwear. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm working in the NFL. I'm working with, with, with baseball players. I'm working with, you know, marathon runners, whoever, whatever category I was in, everything was about function and and technical innovation. And fear of God is really about emotion and, and Jerry's just vibe. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm deeply grateful for the experience and, um, and I have a, a profound love for his taste even before I went there, like when I posted that I was going there, I got hit by so many people.
2: (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) That was like,
1: this is really what you're into. And I was like, I know that. He he doesn't know that, you know, but like he, anybody that knows like how I dress or things that I think is cool or, you know, even just the ethos around, it's not a Christian brand, but Jerry's definitely a believer. And like, so uh, that uh, just everything about fear of God really, really, hit home for me. Um, And then, and then I feel like I doubled or tripled as a designer working under him. Um, It just in terms of my eye and just how I see things now. And I, and I, I really am grateful for that.
2: That's fire. Yeah. How long did you work? How long did you work over there? And then what were there any like projects in particular that you worked on that you were excited about?
1: Uh, I was with him for about a year and a half and I worked on all the eighth collection footwear um, especially in the early stages, okay. um, uh, some of, some of the silhouettes, like some of the silhouettes he put in the show, I didn't touch, but most of them I did help with. Um, just he he's a very clear d- creative, so a lot of the work, like it's not like working at a brand where like you post you like they give you direction, then you do a sketch, and then they're like, oh, I like this one, this one, this one. It's not like that. Um, he's he's very like this is what I want to make, and then you just support that effort. As a, as a creative. So it's like, okay, if he proposes what he wants, you either give him back exactly what he wants. And then you also, also maybe propose two or three other iterations that like support that same idea.
0: I see what you're saying.
1: Um, but it's very prescriptive because it's his vision. It's his, it's his baby. It's Mm. what he does. Um, and that's, that's really the difference between working for an artist and a creative and and an elite creative director and then working for a brand um a brand you as a as a designer you have f- autonomy and you have the responsibility to drive the creative vision of the project right. when you work for a creative that is their vision so your job is to help support it amplify it um, answer to it, make sure it happens, all those kinds of things. So I worked on all of the eighth collection stuff, um, and then uh, the Adidas Fear of God collab, which is slowly trickling out. Yeah, uh, one one silhouette at a time.
2: That's incredible. Yeah. So, the, so then you went from there, and then you went to was James Pierce before or after? That was after. Yep. Okay.
1: I went. I went to James Pierce for a year. Pierce. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, same thing there, like. He's he's a very prescriptive creative. Um, but the spectrum that he works on is much different than what Jerry works on. Like Jerry is like, you know, footwear apparel and accessories focused. Mm -hmm. James has everything from, he wants to make coolers to, he has full properties in Mexico that he's designed from the studs within the building all the way through to the napkins and the typeface on the napkins to, you know, I think he has like 40 stores worldwide. (laughs) Like he's a, he's a, he's a bigger, bigger brand. Um, and then also the breadth of product that he offers is much wider. Um so yeah, I mean I feel like both of them were amazing people in terms of my personal taste. They're people that I would have aspired to um you know level with and mm-hmm. like I really um same thing, I'm grateful for, for just taking in basically how they make decisions, and those are design decisions. Those mm-hmm. are not like business decisions. Right, right, And that's why I'm saying like helping Jerry move his lines around the page, those are design decisions. Mm-hmm. So if he says, I want it to feel more basketball, and he like, you know, lifts the vamp and leans the heel in and like changes the top line, and now all of a sudden it went from feeling like boxing to feeling like basketball, I know the changes that were made that made it do that. Right. I didn't have that level of like IQ in design until like, or I should say in like, yeah, in design until him and James is the same way. So like, you know, he's also very minimal minimalist. He's a little mm-hmm. bit more of a mature brand. Um, and then he's also like very masculine in the expression that he has. So a mm-hmm. lot of this stuff that I worked on was like, um, like rugged and kind of a very outdoor based, okay. um, energy and then um literally just got recruited to a new role uh and just started that literally a month ago Oh really? Yeah. So um I I'm always flattered, you know, that people like want me to be on their team. I I I don't take that lightly. I take it as like a charge. Mm-hmm. Um and so I'm now working on footwear that is uh with a with a brand called KX Lab and they're kind of the first time and place that a supplier a manufacturer and like a design function sit under one roof so for example if you're going to make this couch
0: Mm.
1: usually you would go to a manufacturer to find the fabric and that's your supplier Mm -hmm. then you're having that material shipped to wherever you're having the couch made vietnam mexico italy wherever and then that's your manufacturer and then and then you're selling it as a brand somewhere in the world. Right. Those are three different like pit stops right. and three different um I would say like uh priorities. Like someone has a strong expertise in wovens and then someone has a strong expertise in in fabricating a whole couch and then someone has a strong expertise in branding and marketing and voice and emotion. We the industry, the footwear industry hasn't really seen all of that done under one roof. So, KX Lab focuses on on specifically knitwear. So we develop knit, uh, uh, knit uppers, knit apparel, knit textiles. Right. Um, but then we can also produce footwear. So the charge there is really to produce made in America. Footwear, which nice. is a new a new thing that the industry hasn't really seen. So, um, how many companies?
2: I was gonna ask how many companies do even. do yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's not, not really feasible. a thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's exactly. So, uh, until you innovate around the product development process, so that is that's really what I'm working on, that's and I incredible. feel really excited to be a part of that. And, um, um, yeah, I I, I look for this is another thing I always tell people. Um, I've had opportunities to go and work with other big, sexy names, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jerry's super sexy. To go to go to those places, you should go there because there's intrinsic value in what you will learn there. Um, mm-hmm. And not everybody that's sexy will teach you something.
2: Most, most who are sexy don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: even if you have the chance to go work for some A-list headliner, this, that, and the other, you may not actually take that much out of the experience other than to be able to say that you worked for that person, but you individually, Mm -hmm. not that much value was added to you. Yeah. So if you really like, I really think and have intentions and hopes and beliefs of being like a mogul in design for myself and other people. Mm -hmm. I look for experiences that are going to put tools in my tool belt to break down bigger walls. Yeah. Um. Not just to say that I worked for so-and-so. So Jerry changed everything, you know, for me, there's value in, in working within his org. You know, there's value in working for someone like James because of the way that he makes decisions, but I have been tapped for other projects and I don't, I don't, you know, I've told people, I'm like, oh, I got an offer here, here, and here. And they're like, well, why didn't you take it? I'm like, because what am I going to learn there? Exactly. And that, and that's where I'm like, I wish people would value themselves more because they're so thirsty to be associated with a Some certain
2: brand or something.
1: Anything. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you are more important, valuable than you're giving yourself credit to by just selling your time and your energy to someone because they have this big name. You got to think about what they're giving you. and And it's like, are they actually going to teach you something? And that's what really drew me to KX was like, I'm going to learn a lot more about the manufacturing process, um, and actually innovating around that and actually having a say in that and actually getting the chance to help shift the industry. And that, um, that is something that I can take with me when I leave there, that I can apply to proof of concept that I can apply to, you know, uh, helping whoever build whatever, like these are, th- these are tools in my tool belt that I can't necessarily get in a lot of other places.
2: Yeah. But I feel, you know, I, I feel with someone like you, it's the it's same thought process I have. Like you have all these tools in your tool belt because yeah. you plan on fixing a lot of shit. Yes. Whereas most people take the job over at wherever the fuck, because they're like, no, 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 Like I'm going to get this paycheck yeah. and I'm not thinking about Yeah. going, I don't want, I want to work at Nike. I don't right. ever want to be Nike. Yes, yes. And there's yes, a yes. lot of people this yeah, majority, which is okay. yeah, Which is which is fine. Yeah. But uh, as That's I recognize that. Yeah, yeah, no, that is not you. And yeah. And I definitely think you have to take the right opportunity. You know, it's the same in my field. It's like, you know, there's yeah. certain roles that don't make sense. There's certain yeah opportunities that just don't make sense because it's not on the path of where I'm trying to go. Right. You know, there they you know, there's a lot of people making money and all they do is to be movies.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah.
2: And, but, you know, you do enough Tubi movies, then maybe you don't get the look when it's time to do the mm-hmm. the Marvel movie. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, um, But it's people don't think like that. Yeah.
1: People don't think like that. And I think people don't think like that because they're fundamentally insecure mm-hmm. or they doubt themselves. And that's really, that's more my personal goal is to eliminate people's, like, get out of your own way type thing. Because you are more valuable and more talented than than you know.
0: But
2: I can't wait. And I think that's a lot of people's problem, too. They either feel that way and don't stick with something or they're like, look, I can't wait. Like, I get it. I Yeah, I think I could do blah, 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 blah. blah. But, man, I ain't got all day for that to happen. Right. Whereas, you know, there's other people who are like, no, look, like this. This is what it's gonna be, regardless. So if I gotta, you know, if this hill's gonna be long or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm this is just it's oh. gonna be. Yeah. This is the this is where I'm trying to go, and I'm gonna get there. You right. Know? And um, and then you know, obviously too, it becomes a financial game. Mm-hmm. Becomes a, uh you don't have the right opportunity, sometimes things don't line up right away, and then people just they're quick to pivot. But like you said, yeah. that pivot comes from internally. They never yeah. really believed that You're they gonna were buy in. Yeah.
1: Got to buy into yourself mm. and like, and be willing to ride that to what, to the point of what you just said, you got to be willing to ride that, like no matter what comes with it. And that's like, I said that to my friend the other day, I was like, look, dude, I don't care how long this takes. I'm never not going to try. Thanks. And even if it costs me this, 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 and this, like that I'm, this is what I believe in. And this is what I think I'm capable of. And it's not just that it's like, this is the mission that matters to me. So even, even if I never like hit some pinnacle, um, in the industry, I would rather move towards a mission that matters to me, which is breaking barriers for other people Mm -hmm. than, than just being a part of a system and never, you know, never, never just chasing that, 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 that purpose-driven, that purpose-driven space. Mm -hmm. So even my point is, even if I never self-actualize, actualize at a, some existential level, I will know that I had spent my whole life holding the door for other people behind me. Mm-hmm. And any room that I've gone into, I know I've done that. Facts. And I've done that. And that's not just for women. That's mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Facts. And yeah. I've advocated, I've advo- advocated for grown white men. I've advocated for this person over here. Like I've, whoever in the room to me doesn't have a, a, a mic or a voice or is afraid to get to uh get to the table, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm, I'm always reaching back because that means something to me because that's what Aaron Cooper did for me. Right. And that's what Toby Hatfield did for me. That's what Jason Maiden did for me. That's what, you know, Jason Petrie did for me. Like all these mentors, my entire career, they've always reached back and I am, I wouldn't be here without them. And I know that I'm helping other people. So if I keep doing that, you know, what happens when they do that, but you have to be a product of it. Like you have to, has to mean something to you. You, those men changed my life. So that means something to me. So I'm trying to create that experience for other people, because I also think like, I, I have this phrase that I really believe, which is when people live at the edge of their potential, meaning you wake up every day and you're obsessed Right. Mm-hmm. I know, I know there's some days you wake up at freaking five in the morning and you're in front of this computer and you you're like, I've got to get this beat right or I've got Thanks. to get this shot right because you're obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. There's a level of satisfaction there in the quiet of that moment that nobody else in the world can give you.
2: Hundred percent and people don't understand it until they do it. Like yeah. I'm I'm literally like because like, no, there's some real shit. Like yes. people don't understand that shit until you sit there and you're doing something and then you're seeing like you're seeing the progress because you've done it long enough to actually yes. look back and see fucking progress. Yes, yes. And, and it's hard. And I want to tap into even what you were just saying about how, you, you know, you want to be able to open the door for other people. And what people also don't realize is, do you know how many people who thought, same as us, like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to hit this peak at, Mm-hmm. fucking 30 or 25 right. or th- right. whatever. And it doesn't happen. Yep. And then years later, some young person comes along, sees their shit, uh, 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 Dapper Dan is a prime example of this, sees their shit, comes in, and now all of a sudden, you've reached this peak that you thought would yeah. have never happened, but maybe it's because you opened a door yep. for somebody. Yeah. Like, think of it this way. Yeah, You're going to accomplish things in your life that just add on to a Tinker's Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. legacy. Mm -hmm.
2: See what I mean? Mm -hmm. If not, be one of the... Shit, Jay-Z never thought that Kanye West was going to be what Kanye West was for Mm -hmm. his legacy. Mm -hmm. Hell Mm no. Barely wanted to sign a motherfucker. You know what I mean? So when you look at things in that perspective, it's... You aren't just doing it for you. You aren't just doing it for the next generation. You're also doing it for the people who spent their fucking time... Aaron Cooper right or mm-hmm. Aaron, Aaron mm-hmm. Cooper yeah who spent their time r- giving you notes yeah taking times out of their day too, because they see something and they said no this is an asset yeah and you know what I mean this is somebody who's going to blossom
3: yeah and
2: when they blossom that right. ties right back to me as well yeah deservingly you know yep. and I once again I just same as you I wish people would withstand a little bit longer because when you see that or when it happens, it's a beautiful thing. It's not always going to happen when you want it to or when it needs to, you might not even be mentally fucking ready for it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And I think, I think legacy
0: Mm -hmm.
1: is what I I strive for, but also there's not, like I said, like the quiet of the moment, like I can't even tell you if there was a camera in my apartment (laughs) For every moment that like I nailed something Uh and there's like, I'm either like twerking at my desk (laughs) or like, you know, like on some like Tiger Woods shit, like those moments in life to me, there's no audience. There's no, only me and God see that moment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I really live for that. Like I really live for that, uh, that I, I did that. Mm-hmm. And that like rush of like i i I followed through, and there's this x amount of time and energy and failure put into something, and then you finally get to that moment, and, and here it's, it is and here it is, yeah. and so that's what I define as living at your the edge of your potential, and I think the repercussions of that is we break barriers, we build community you and I are going to go to coffee or go to drinks. And this is what we're talking about. You're going to vent about what happened in the studio, but then you finally did what you needed to do. I'm going to be like, bro, I'm a hundred thousand dollars in debt, but (laughs) look at the backpack, (laughs) you know, like I made a couch and (laughs) now it's in Jay-Z's living room. And it's not because it's in Jay-Z's living room. It's because you've achieved a certain Mm. level at your craft. Yes. And that like, that's what I, that's what, that's the unlock where I'm like, I wish that more people in life had the opportunity to live at the edge of their potential. And, and what is the repercussions of like hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people living within that inertia within that energy is like
2: this. Yes.
1: Because there's a level of, of self security where like, fundamentally I think people are insecure. Mm -hmm. So if people can feel secure, themselves then i can reach out and and add value to you i can reach out and help you i will give my money to this because i don't need to keep adding to myself yes and and so the outpouring the automatic right you know it's the same thing as like with faith right when like god comes to you there's no way you take that light and, and just, it just stays inside. There's like that song when you're little, like let your little light shine, Mm -hmm. it comes out of you and then it it changes the world. So I, I don't think I can change the world, but I can control my 24 hours. And so like LeBron, it's like, go deep in something and then you can move laterally through a million different things that could have X amount of impact um and on that, people's side.
2: energy is contagious. Like you exactly. said, that's that like, the energy is contagious, the people around you want to work harder. The yep. people who follow you want to work harder. Yep. I know I have a quote by Kobe Bryant over my bed. And the reason it's uh anything uh what was it anything uh pressure challenges are all an opportunity for me to rise. Um anything negative yep. pressure challenges. I I look at that because it's one of those things. I know he he lived his life in that way.
3: Yeah.
2: And I just want to be that for other people. Because, like you said, if everyone's doing a little bit better, if
3: everyone's making a little
2: bit better music, if everyone's making a little bit better movies, making doing a little bit better making art, doing Mm -hmm. a little bit better as a whole, yeah, we elevate. And that doesn't mean just America. That doesn't mean just that means the world.
3: Yep. Everyone's
2: just a little bit nicer every day. We all elevate.
1: It's that people are a little bit nicer every day. Mm -hmm. That Because I think, like, yes, we have to do something with our 24 hours. We have to make money. We have to, you know, have a livelihood. But who we are and how we treat each other, how we love each other, Mm -hmm. I think has a lot to do with what we experience in those 24 hours. That's very true. Right? So you wake up on the wrong side of the bed or your boss talks to you crazy on the side or you're going through a divorce or... If you're a woman, you're on your period, whatever, Mm. right? Like these are things that are happening within your day that then the output of that can be very negative. Mm. And, and these are symptomatic. This, this energy, this negative energy over here is symptomatic of like whatever was happening over here. And so I'm always a big person of like, you know, uh, I guess accountability, but also understanding like, what is the, where did you come from? Like when I look at people that are just like ugly people, I'm like, what? what did you go
2: through? Yeah, who who, who, who hurt, hurt you? Who hurt you? <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah.
1: And and instead of judging or critiquing the behavior, it's like, where is this coming from And and how do we fix whatever that is? Not because I can fix it, but if I can love you, if I can show up for you, if I can do something that would help you heal, I want to do that. And I think the idea of living at your potential, which to me comes back to passion and comes back to how God made you and what he made you to do and you really... Uh, going at it at that level. Uh, like I'm a freaking happy person. Mm-hmm. I I'm emotional and I'll cry and I'll do all these little things, but I'm a fundamentally happy person. Yeah. And, um, I love talking to people about design and I love talking to people about their stories and like, because people just want to feel valued and design for me has been the vehicle by which I've been able to have these dialogues. Right. And then, you know, you do see and feel the love. And I think that that, um, I think that that's like, that's the purpose.
2: And uh, you know, it's funny. The whole time you are sitting there, all I'm thinking is, yeah, because you found purpose, and yeah. that's that's the number one issue. I feel most people go through is just lack of purpose. Yeah, if I don't know what I don't know what I want to do, but I'm Bambi on ice, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to do everything, mm-hmm. but I don't really know. And over a course of time, if you don't seek that out or you don't work towards it, right you will, you know, you do get depressed. Yeah. You do feel like um there's no way out because you you have yep. you don't have anything that gets you up every day and you're like, well I gotta go do this. Well yep. I know I'm needed for this and I need to, you know, and I'm yep. no, yep. you know, um shit, even doing these like doing these conversations, doing this podcast, I know for me it was like once I got on this journey, I was like, no, like I'm learning. I'm mm-hmm. building stronger relationships with people I already know. Mm-hmm. Um and huh like you should be interviewed a Mm -hmm. lot of my friends should be interviewed and Mm -hmm. a lot fucking more Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. the work they're doing isn't always getting the full love and support Mm -hmm. or or uh or highlight that it should yeah you know and I I see it because I because I know with myself a lot of times yeah I feel that way Yeah, yeah so it's um yeah it's it it's but there's nothing better than the feeling of when I, you know, edit one,
3: yeah,
2: put it unlisted on YouTube, and I'm like,
3: hell yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. okay, yeah.
2: got another one. Okay, right, you know, right, because right. I remember when there were fucking none in the yeah. playlist, you know? Yes. And so it's, like you said, it's just, it's finding that purpose and, and bringing that light to other people. So.
1: I think, too, like, the Bambi on Ice thing is really helpful, but I also think, I think Bambi on Ice is something that can be fixed and rectified, for people meaning you just bro you're going in too many directions like pulled together there's also the devil on your shoulder and so Mm -hmm. if you've got the the devil on your shoulder while you're bambi on ice that's a really difficult place to come out of
2: see what you're saying
1: and i think that the the devil on your shoulder it's that voice in the back of your head yeah but you could never yeah but they got that because of this or yeah but i'm not that you know and it's this (laughs) constant sometimes it
2: could be just called friends or but not yeah. real friends, but you know the people around you. That's yeah. what I mean. Or or some people, you know, like I I know just from like the your devil tweets. can be anything. Oh oh yeah no, facts, yeah. and that's what I was gonna say. though. No, I know yeah. from your tweets and everything. I'm like, you have yeah. the most supportive fucking mom and like family, oh I do ever yeah no no ever like <laughs> I, just like my parents like so supportive like yeah. incredible. But yeah. I feel like that was what I was getting at. People have that that's devil funny. on their shoulder because right. it's like. Somebody's mama is saying that shit to them. Yep, yep, and not the shit your mom's saying, which is like, "You get them, oh, girl. I oh, I love this." No, yep. they're saying the like, "Come on, stop. You better go get a yep. real job. What, yep. what the hell are you gonna do? Make it?" And yep. it's like, "You do can't do that." Yeah, like you yeah. can't do. Like, let's be realistic here. Yep. Whoa. Yep. Whoa. Yep, yep. Like. Yep. That's not, and you, and I feel like that happens to so many people because when it comes close to home, right? The same way when that love comes from like mm-hmm. home, it's the best thing ever, and you're like crying but you're like i'm gonna figure this shit out yeah you're right you know a- opposed to you know when your friends who might subconsciously know they can't do x y and z and mm-hmm. they tell you like i mean it's cool but like come on bro you're not really gone yeah and you internalize that because you're putting yourself on the same yep. pedestal or level as them yep. and they're not even putting themselves anywhere mentally true you know it's it. you don't know how serious someone is because you don't you can't be in their mind. All they can do is show you with their consistency and yep. their output.
3: Yeah, yeah. And that's true.
2: it. And that's what I've learned being from acting to music to fucking anything. It's yeah. like the more I did something and the more points I put on the board, no matter how long it takes to put those points on the board, the more yep. points you put on the board, the more consistent you seem,
3: yeah, the
2: more opportun- yes, reps, the more opportunities come come your way. Yeah. And it's never yeah. failed. Yeah. 28 years, damn 29 years of doing this sh- entertainment yeah. as a whole. It's never failed because yeah. something will come if you put something into the world. If you're yep. putting nothing in the world. Can't one fucking thing come back.
1: Yeah. 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 No, it's true. I, I, think, I, I think that's also a strong misconception is like people assume that X opportunities are coming to people just because they knew so-and-so or, you know, whatever. It's like, no, mm. If if that is the case, they will flop. Like everything will come to light Mm. and that's not like a negative thing. It's just like you, you have to have the chops to survive in anything. Mm -hmm. So if, and I, and that's also what I love about the creative fields, right. Is like either the song sounds right or it doesn't (laughs) Right. either the, the, the chair is drawn in perspective or it's not like, there's not really a margin for interpretation around, you know, this isn't art.
0: I see what you're saying, there's a yeah.
1: difference between design and art, you know, mm-hmm. it's like either you can sketch or you cannot like, you know, this is not yeah. like Vincent Van Gogh, like there's no, or, or some impressionistic painting that you're just going to interpret. Well, yeah, if you
2: look this way, it's, you know, yeah, right. it's very different now. So
1: there, there's a level of accountability around skill set that yeah. is powerful. Um, and I, and that's why I always tell people like, you need to value yourself don't just go where the hype is because your skill set is what puts points on the board mm-hmm. and then the next big thing and then the next big thing but if you're not learning and adding value to your tool belt then you don't you're not actually moving
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's like that other thing of don't mistake productive busy for productivity so mm-hmm. like oh don't mistake just being associated with this as productive you know are you actually on a on a personal level growing and like elevating your skill set yeah. and that um and then that's really what you know, now you're known for something. Now people want to work with you, and and that that can also be soft skills. Like, I have a I have a, several people that I know in the industry that are like really talented, mm-hmm. but total assholes. <laughs> yeah. And if you're, especially if you're in a corporate culture, good luck because uh. you will get got with that. Attitude, because no teammate, right? You can't move categories. You can't move up. You can't because word mm-hmm. travels around the company. This person's difficult to work with. Right. Doesn't matter if they're freaking, you know, talented X, Y, and Z. So now you, so there's accountability around. I need to be a great teammate. I need to be an empathetic leader on my team or within my, you know, my skill set. Uh, what I'm responsible for and then and then i also need to like learn and grow you know in in what i know about design about right. music about architecture about whatever so um yeah so i just think that people think that opportunities are given but it's like no somebody somewhere was putting in reps you know mm-hmm. and that's also where confidence comes from and and that's also where you can delineate between like people who are smoking mirrors and then people who actually have the sauce mm-hmm. because confidence confidence is proven reps you know it's like if i know like the only reason i'm going to try and squat 220 is because i know i can do 180 and i can do this and then i'm going to just add you know one more rep with this much more right. I, I can do it it might, it might be a push, but I already know because I've built up this much, yeah. you know, versus arrogance is like, oh, I haven't lifted in a year and I'm just going to go try and squat for 20. Right boom. <laughs> done.
0: Yeah, it's over. It's over. Yeah.
1: So that, um, I really live and breathe and die by that. And that like, um, and that's why it's so easy for me to talk about anything. The best interview advice I've ever been given was just talk about what you know. Because that's authentic. And then right. you have a certain level of swag when you're speaking about what you know because mm-hmm. you know about it.
0: <laughs> right. So that and you like, can
2: go into detail about it. And yeah, it's not and just
1: you're not gonna be dodging and moving and weaving mm-hmm. because somebody can poke holes in whatever. Right. So um I just think that, that the idea of of, of owning um, skill set and, and pushing yourself within that is really where pretty much where everything comes from. It's the opportunities, it's the confidence. Mm. It's like, Oh, this is actually what I'm interested in. I want to zig from footwear into furniture and I want to do this, this, and this, and I love coffee and I want to do a bunch of stuff around coffee. And like, but I have enough confidence in myself to even do that because every single day I'm chipping away at this, and I'm like, okay, well, that didn't work. And you know, Thomas mm-hmm. Edison, like that thousand—that's mm-hmm. a real thing. Yeah, it's so cliche, but it's literally I just so
2: found real. One hundred ninety-nine ways it didn't work.
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's all good shit. And also, think of the things he stumbled upon. In yeah. the 999 ways, not only that fixed that problem, yeah. but that also was probably just other shit. He was like, oh, I'm going to work on this later. But right. I didn't know you could do this. With, huh. Yeah. It's... And then it's
1: like goes in your pocket for like some other moment. And mm-hmm. then it pops up on this thing and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, oh, I've like, dealt
2: with this before.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that can be with people too. That's like, you yeah, know, that's, that's a, I, I really, I really study environments and situations that I go through. Mm. If you haven't read 48 Laws of Power, everybody needs to read that book. That's like true. you need to understand yourself and how you contributed to a situation, and then also understand the players and what motivated them to move, how they moved and whatever that was, and study that shit. Yeah. And and break it down and figure out why did this happen?
2: Because like- And make sure you look at your side of it too, because I've noticed so oh, many yes. people, they'll love to be like, well, it's because they did this, and then they did, and they, well, motherfucker, what I did mean, you do? That's when you're
1: going to fumble. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what did you
2: do to- yep. yeah,
1: where, Yeah, what is your, absolutely, what is your, that's something my mom- shouts out to her that she really raised us on was every single time. Like I remember when we were little, we would come in her room just like fuming about yeah. something <laughs> and it, and we might be, and to this day, to this day, she'll be like, Brittany, you are justified. However, and it was, it's always the, however, right. draw the circle around yourself. What did, what did you do? How did you handle it? How did you respond? Because right. you're always accountable for your, um, your moment, whatever that, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I don't care if a girl slaps you, you know, across the face. If you, if you spew back at her, you bitch, you're responsible for that response.
0: Right.
1: No matter if you're justified, no matter if she had no business smacking right. you and in the workplace, that's extremely important mm-hmm. because you're, you're building your reputational legacy as well. Yeah. So like even if somebody over here is popping off and, and and I boy, I have had that you want to talk about failures. I have had so many moments where I'm like I can't take this anymore mm-hmm. and I explode. And 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 sure I have a certain tolerance, right? And yeah. there and I and also I might be justified and even justice I have seen justice mm-hmm. served on my behalf for whatever whatever. But I'm still responsible for my emotions. I'm still mm-hmm. responsible for my reaction, for how I treated this person, how I interacted with them. And um, I I just read uh, last week, uh, the 12-week year.
2: Oh, I, you know what? That's on my list.
1: It's pretty yeah. good. And one of the things they talk about in there is like um, accountability is not the same as um, consequences.
2: Ooh, I like that. It's very true.
1: And so- when you live in the truth of the fact that there are consequences for your actions, it changes the way you move. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so even if you are accountable and say, yes, I did that, that still doesn't mean. So I'll give you a perfect example at work. I won't say which workplace, but at one of my workplaces, I got upset
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I had reason to be upset. And this, you know, bubbled up to a certain point, And that went back to, the people that upset me and, uh, they shouldn't have done what they did. However, those people refused to speak to me for a month. And these are people that I need to be holding hands with on a regular, you know, so now I'm in a meeting, they're not making eye contact with me. Um, they're pulling so-and-so aside for this, 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 and this. And some of that, I can't blame all of that on like retaliation, right? Some of them, maybe now they think I'm a spaz, Oh, she's not safe. Oh, she's not. Oh, oh she's emotional. Oh, well, I, I didn't see that reaction coming. So now I'm afraid of interacting with her. Mm-hmm. So if I take severe accountability for how I interact with the world, I now actually am more on the offense because I have to, now I'm thinking about the repercussions of my own actions everywhere and the consequences of those actions and what that actually would do to a team or a coworker or my ability to move and, you know, as a right. leader so that's another thing that I just I don't think gets said enough is like extreme accountability and then thinking about for every action there's a reaction
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and there's a consequence for those actions and that like live in the truth of that. Be mi- like be mindful right. of like how you how you operate. Um and and then I also believe God blesses that. Like if you stand in integrity, and I'm not saying be a pushover, I'm not saying yeah. be a doormat. That's not what I'm saying, but there's a certain tact i guess to and those soft skills um to me are equally as lethal as being able to sketch or lay a track and if you can couple those two things together then then you do actually reach those maximums i think i hope where i do get to actually help other people live at the edge of their potential Mm -hmm. but if i'm not mindful of my person in that journey i'll also never like reach that
2: like skill set isn't enough and also because you'll never reach it because you really aren't there yet and it's like my parents always say this and they'll say god won't give you anything you're not ready for Mm
0: -hmm. and if
2: you don't do the work and you know regardless of whatever you know a person believes just if you don't do the work to build the person that you need to be when those situations come you will crash and burn like you said because you're just not ready yeah um opposed to someone who's ready yeah has gone through the work to you know has been in those situations grown from them moved on Built back better, yeah. take extreme accountability. Well, that's somebody who, who can employ thousands of people. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, and who can, you know, uh, just who can create a different, a different environment, and who yeah. can, you know, yeah. be accountable for other people's livelihoods, other people's, you know, yep. dreams, other people's goals. You know. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, 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 you see and feel that when someone doesn't have that, and they're in a position of power. Mm-hmm. or in a position of leadership like that it's, it's definitely felt. Right. Um, so, uh, in terms of legacy, that's, that's, I, I hope to leave the le- a, a different legacy. No, I,
2: I understand. So what's next? What do you want to do next? What is, uh, what is, I know proof. Do you want to do an entire furniture line with proof of concept or where, where's your all, head at
1: now? What do you want to do? Yeah. Um, so I think, I mentioned it briefly at the beginning, but proof to me is like a design lens, mm-hmm. just like Jerry has a lens for fear of God. Right. Um, and that, that's what makes you special. That's what makes anybody special. It's mm-hmm. also why I think people are like, oh, the market's so saturated. I'm like, no, it's not. There's room for every single person's perspective. Right. If you make a song and I make a song, they're going to sound completely different. And that, there's room for both. There's yeah. always room for both. So I think if anybody can hone a perspective and offer it that that's, that is enough. There, there doesn't need okay. to be any other cosines. or doesn't anything. So for me, proof is a lens, um, which the lens for me is basically in the most simplest way, uh, functional minimalism. Mm-hmm. So because I'm an industrial designer and I love that things work, <laughs>
0: um,
1: I like to make really well thought out products, but then I love brands like, uh, Jill Sander, um, Margiela, Rick, um, like old Celine, I think old Celine and, and Jill Sander would be the best example of like true minimalism and, and shape driven, you know, design. Right. Um, so basically imagine if like Jill Sander or, or you know, Phoebe Philo had a baby with like to me. Okay. So Tumi's very well engineered or Ramoa, very, oh, yeah. very, very thoughtful design, very well, f- like it's functional design and yeah. you're, and, and all of the things around like travel, for example, are considered within a Ramoa experience. Right. Um, and Ramoa does a really good job around minimalism as well, but I still think like if, if Jerry or Jill or Phoebe Philo made a suitcase, it would probably look more yeah, minimalist. For sure. So that's kind of the, the, the way that I'm looking at the world at this point is I want to make really beautiful stuff that also functions at a really high level. And I personally don't feel like I see that anywhere in the marketplace where those two things are mutually prioritized. Um, so like, uh, I think of like maybe Arc'teryx or like the North face to me, those are like, they have a really strong aesthetic, but it's not necessarily minimalist. Right. It it's, um, very technical and like, um, So I'm applying that lens to a stool, to a backpack, to a coffee table, to um, apparel. Uh, Eventually I'll do footwear at some point. Um, But yeah, I'm just, I'm making stuff that I think we should have in our world that is like clever. And then it's also beautiful.
2: So like- I cannot wait to see the house you buy and the shit you put in it. (laughs) Let me tell you that. Because I already know I'm going to be like, damn, this is fire. Yeah. And it's minimal as fuck, but this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's fire. I,
1: I think, um, which is ironic because, like, I'm not—I don't live a minimalist lifestyle because I'm a designer. Like, your space, my space looks exactly mm-hmm. the same. These are my tools.
2: Organized chaos. Yeah, Organized you gotta chaos. be. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, but I love you know the expression of this uh, of this stuff, and I, I hope one day my work will move out of my house and into a studio, and then my house will be minimalist. But <laughs> yeah, I just think that that's that's the premise. Um, and I'm just chipping away at that and putting out basically like a series of products. Mm. Um, initially it's going to be really small, small runs. Furniture will be like one of one. Right. If you buy it, you get it. I'm not making it again. Um, uh, and then, yeah, same thing, like just considering problem solving. So like, for example, uh, I'm working on this stool that came from like, I was going out to dinner with my home girls and. I had this like shirt dress thing on and I didn't wanna like bend over to wrinkle it to, to tie my shoes. Right. So I was like, wouldn't it be convenient if my feet came to me? And so I like designed this stool that you like sit on this like mochi looking. That's
2: how you came up with the idea. I'll, I'll added a picture of it in the. Uh, yeah. No, but I was looking, I was like, that's so cool. And I what is remember it? the picture of <laughs> how you were sitting on yes. it. like. The, that yes. makes complete sense. That's so, fire.
1: So again, function driven, right? Mm-hmm. The, the insight going back to my Nike days, the insight was around like I want my feet to come to me because I don't want to wrinkle my clothes. Right. Um, but then I also uh, I also wanted it to flip into a table, and so it actually flips over and it's also like a night table. And so the design, the design language, also I'm, I'm I really love like the female figure. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those shapes that mm-hmm. you see in the foam, like, like come from the same creases that women have. And I'm like, I just think this, is like God made us. And and I think we're beautiful objects mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. <laughs> we're beautiful
2: forms, beautiful forms. Sorry. I'm
1: an industrial designer. I didn't mean <laughs> it. Ladies don't kill me for that. Um, more beautiful forms, and so taking taking inspiration from from how we were made and then sort of clashing it with this like industrial element element that you see like this like strong monolithic right. shape, but then you see these like kind of really soft forms, and I think that juxtaposition is kind of interesting um so from a from a art artist standpoint, I guess that's kind of like my eye, yeah. Um, but again, it's function driven. And so to me, the stool is a perfect, like if I had to explain proof, I would explain that stool. Right. It also looks like it belongs in like a museum. Like if you get like two of them next to each other.
2: Oh yeah. And in a empty room, that shit will look like crazy high art.
0: (laughs) Trust me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm, I'm really, I'm really geeked on that and, um, and just finessing kind of, you know, all the little details around that. Mm -hmm. But that's also getting applied to backpacks. That's getting applied to you know all all this stuff. So, um, yeah. So I'm just slowly rolling that out. It's very expensive. And I
2: can believe. I can believe.
1: That's it. that's a whole thing. I mean, Jerry really inspired me um, because he owns all of Fear of God, and that's a big deal. Yeah. And um and same thing like James Purse started with um. of his own money and has grown the brand into what it is. (laughs) Sheesh. And so when I just, when I look at that, I'm like, I know them personally. I know the human. So I don't really have a lot of imposter syndrome at this point in my career because Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're a human being just like me. And you're older than me and you have different exposure to different things. But that doesn't mean that I can't, you know, or I couldn't get... Uh, learning like I already got to the place where I'm working for you mm-hmm. so if I'm in these rooms where I'm studying under you and I've to your point it's like people don't see the hours yeah. of discipline behind it uh, this was not just given to me like I earned, I earned my it. way here so I really believe anyone can earn their way to a certain level once you get to a certain level it's more about chess but that is enough for me to be like i can do this 100 so and
2: i'm you're standing next to a motherfucker who didn't have it at one point like yes. that's another that's what it always that's my number one like I when i'm around people who are i just be like damn that's crazy you were like sitting on the couch trying to figure it out whether it was 30 years ago whether right. it was 10 years ago like yeah shit was not moving like this for you Mm-hmm. and you did this 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 and yeah. maybe some moves i don't know about but whatever that is i know it took you and you got yeah. here yeah. so it's not impossible look and i'm That's sitting next to you so yeah. shit yeah. ain't impossible yeah. you know what i mean like
1: and that that again that uh, back to the bambi thing the devil on your shoulder the, the imposter syndrome when i t- mentioned earlier about people got to get out of their own way 100%. you got to get through this first 100% and and it i I think because I I, I just had this epiphany the other day, because Tinker and Toby showed me the kitchen at Nike, it wasn't Tinker and Toby that validated design for me because I didn't have an emotional investment in sneaker culture. Right. I'm a again like regular, regular white girl from Lake Oswego, Oregon. Like I don't, I don't, I don't stand in line for concords. I don't have (laughs) you know like that wasn't my reference points. What I saw was a bigger Lincoln Log, Tinker Toys, you know, balsa wood, hot glue gun,
2: and how it can be done. Like when it's at the highest level, how this shit can be done. So even if you got to work in some kitchens that are a little below this on your way up. You done seen though seen how good this shit can sentence. be,
1: yeah. yeah. And so that that for me, because I had a physical place in my head, I don't think I ever dealt with the same level of doubt that my peers I saw dealt mm-hmm. deal with in college or even in in my career. So like people will work their whole career to get to Nike, right? And when they heard that I knew them, they'd be like, "Well, what do your big time mentors say?" And I'm like. I don't, you know, I didn't- It's a I,
2: whole different
0: perspective.
1: That just wasn't how I was looking mm-hmm. at it. But they're coming from their perspective and they're coming from, I've, I've tried so hard to get here. I've finally gotten here. I've had to work X amount of jobs to get a job here, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. And that, that just, um, I don't know, that just never was a thing for me. So I, I think that the imposter syndrome that people carry is so detrimental. And, and if you can eliminate it, then, then you kind of, you just, you got to have a little hubris. You got to have like a little bit of, uh, swag that might be inflated Mm -hmm. just to push through, like to, to be, was it crazy enough to think that I can, Yeah, that's a real thing. Um, but I also think there's like real validators or key moments. Like for me, reference points. Like I often reference sonar, right? So like a dolphin will like send out X amount of clicks Mm -hmm. into the water and it will ping back to them. And that's how they orient themselves. And so I look at life like that where like, I will ping the world around me, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. And I'm like, okay, I'm only this far from this.
2: Yeah. I see what you mean. And so yeah.
1: if Jerry is a reference point for me I'm like okay I'm only this far from Jerry. Right. I'm only and if if I I respect him and I aspire to be on his level of creativity or 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 manifestation of mm-hmm. creativity is a better way to say it. Um I'm only this far from him. Yeah. And only I know what that means because of, you know, it's the same thing for you. as like you and Jay-Z or you and Ye or yeah, whoever, right? Yeah, okay. And it's like, you know who those reference points are within your career, yeah. your passion. And
2: you know what people you work with who work closely with them. And you yes. know you're like, huh, well, yes. I guess in theory.
3: Yes. I'm not at, yes.
2: the, I'm not at the base. One thing, uh, me and my friend were talking about this, Denzel. We were saying, it was like, oh, you met you know Denzel. Denzel, what a great, yeah. 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 Uh, we were talking about this and we were like, man, we we're talking about how we we're like, working on this shit. It seems like such an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get to the top of the fucking mountain. Mm-hmm. But we were like, but when you look back, you're like, well shit, I'm not at the base of the mountain though. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm not, I'm not yep. at the first step because yep. I remember what that was like and yep. I know I'm somewhere in the middle, but shit. You yep. know, it's it's a it's a it's an uphill battle. It's an uphill it battle. is.
1: It is, but it doesn't feel impossible.
2: No, and you love what you're doing. In and the process. When you exactly if you love what you're doing and you're you can't Lose, yeah, Yeah. can't lose.
1: I I also think that's actually a really fire delineation to make because that's where people lose. You have to love what you do, or you're never gonna, you know, you're never really gonna like. I think hit the peak, Mm -hmm. and 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 I see this without without saying too much. I see this at every level, right, where people are not motivated by by passion,
0: yeah, but they're
1: they're motivated by money or winning.
0: Mm, Yeah,
1: you there's a cap. There's a cap to that because your ego
2: will always get in the way. Will
1: always get in the way, and therefore, whatever pinnacle you actually could have hit off of passion, which would have suggested, "Oh, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to bring in this person. Oh, I need this. I'm going to bring in this person." Right? It's rooted in it's rooted in passion, curiosity, uh, humility, empathy. Like it's just about the uh, love of mm-hmm. what you're doing and the process
2: and as the process as that sounds and people love saying that it's process
1: you have the capability when you operate from that space you have the capability to bring other people and things in mm-hmm. to your aura that will actually push the ball further down the field than you could have by yourself and
2: elevate you even and in also the
1: elevate you in the process mm. hy always says that but if you are motivated by money or winning you have to stay on top of everybody
0: all the time yeah
2: and when
1: and then your
2: that uh, selfishness will take you down
1: it'll destroy your career 100% and you'll n- literally never reach the actual pinnacle it's like a i feel like this is in a book somewhere but you'll never you'll, you know, <laughs> no, you know it, no it definitely it looks is like somewhere like some siddhartha <laughs> like i don't know what book it is i'm like drawing upon from my subconscious but like it, it's it's like the irony mm-hmm. right the irony is you'll never actually...
2: It's the flying too close to the sun. Yes. It's, it's like some Aesop fable shit. That's kind of yeah. what, what we're going into. Yeah. But Brittany Peroni, thank yes. you so much for coming through. This is an incredible interview.
3: Thank you and, for having me.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what you do next. Like seriously, I know it's going to be incredible. Whatever Whatever it is and whatever you're making through your lens, <laughs> I'm excited to see it. And thank, thank you, you for, the for the chance. Drop some gems. This was fantastic.
0: Sure.
1: <laughs> Good times.
2: Well, that's it. Appreciate you. Bye.